Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kevin, I got a chance to enjoy it even further this morning because for what there's you and I've talked about this, but there's like a five minute window where if you're on the wrong side of that, the traffic really ramps up and it extends your commute by like three times longer, which happened to me this morning. But absolutely beautiful drive in boy uh, fitting cars on the track today over at IMS and it is a glorious Thursday Um, and a good day to get outside around 420 if you would like to as well excuse me today a lot of people enjoyed to celebrate and um, beautiful day to get outside um, whether you are going to the oval test or any other celebrations you would like to have on this when's Earth Day didn't Earth Day used to be today I feel like we're right around there because usually the Reds are eliminated by Earth Day. Well, that's looking right on time this year. Hey, your athletics are moving. Yeah, had I known this, I would have not picked them. I wanted small market rats in the visiting radio press box athletics. (laughs) I did not want Las Vegas new stadium just north of Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders are. But this hasn't this been rumored for like five years? Don't we hear this like every... Is this officially it? Didn't I see agreement with, was it Red Rocks, something wrong? Which I thought was in Denver. Have you been to Red Rocks in Denver? I have, yeah. Did uh, you see a show there, or just go? No, just go. Yeah, it's beautiful. Red Rocks Resorts, yeah, the Athletics, an agreement to purchase land just north of Allegiant Stadium, where the Raiders are in Vegas, $1 billion in the agreement there. Now, so it looks like we will be having a... Major League Baseball team on the move. Let me tell you why, to me, this is of somewhat significance. Because, let's be real, the move of the Oakland Athletics or the progression of the city of Las Vegas doesn't really fly in morning radio in Indianapolis, but I don't think this is going to happen, Kevin. But whenever you have an ownership group of a professional sports franchise where the owner passes and there is inheritance of a franchise, you start getting into inheritance taxes versus the taxes of a sale and the cost effectiveness, etc. Obviously, Herb Simon is not like, I mean, he's of good health, don't get me wrong. But when you start to look at the inheritance of the Indiana Pacers, I, I get worried at n- for no reason. I mean, I'm not there. I have nothing to base this on other than just precedent of other franchises. But Las Vegas, absolutely. At this point, with now that the sp- for a long time, pro sports teams didn't want to go to Vegas because of the gambling implications. Now that that's the wild, wild west, doesn't it feel inevitable that last the last step now is that Las Vegas will get an NBA franchise? You always make me nervous when you bring up this Herb Simon. Pacers to Louisville thing. Well, I don't think it'd be Louisville. I really don't. I, but I, I feel think, like that's the one that you've brought brought up before. I, I think you've got to look at. And again, I want to make very clear. I don't think that Herb Simon or the Simon family has any intention necessarily of selling the Pacers. I don't think they're shopping them. I, none of that. But when you look at teams that have sold, oftentimes it is when a team is passed down to a 
within a family, the inheritance tax you have to pay on that, oftentimes it is more cost effective to just sell the team and pay the tax of the profit of the sale. And you, that is a less, less of a hit of a tax implication. But I do believe if you look at Seattle, probably Nashville and Las Vegas, those are the three markets that I think inevitably are going to end up with franchises somehow, some way, whether it's expansion or relocation. I don't think the Pacers are on the front burner of relocation, but I think it has to be 5% chance probably, but it has to be thought of as a possibility when that transition takes place. That that would be my only concern. Louisville is the one market that a few years ago when they built the Yum Center, I think people thought Louisville was going to make a play, and the Pacers obviously, geographically speaking, made sense. I, I don't think Louisville's in play personally. But but I would say an NBA team's going to end up in Vegas in the next five to ten years. Theoretically. Yeah, I'm going to choose to think expansion more so than I, franchise. I would hope moving. that's correct. Um, at 30 now, and the NFL's at 32. You know, could you get a couple more there? A good Thursday morning to you. Uh, like we said, an absolutely beautiful day here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh Chuck Pagano going to join us at 9 o'clock. Tomorrow is the 11th annual Chuck Strong Gala. Um, the guests of honor, if you will, of Chuck Pagano this year include Ron Rivera, who has certainly dealt with his own um, cancer situation. Um, I believe his brother passed as well a handful of years ago. Uh, Ray Lewis is going to be there. Reggie Wayne going to be there. Robert Mathis. Um, they've raised over $12 million, uh, for cancer research to the IU Simon Cancer Center. So it's a remarkable story and, and pretty cool to see uh, an owner in Jim Irsay and a former head coach in Chuck Pagano continuing to carry on um, this annual tradition. And it's a really cool event. Been fortunate to go a few times. Um, so... We'll have Chuck on coming up at 9 o'clock. Is that right, Mark? Yep. To chat about that. Last night, once again, the home teams hold serve in the NBA. Impressive what Memphis and Milwaukee did without their star players. Shout out to Notre Dame legend Pat Connaughton, 22 off the bench for the Bucks. They even it up with Miami. The Grizzlies even it up with a great defensive effort against the Lakers. And boy, Jamal Murray. Him and Anthony Edwards going back and forth late last night. The Nuggets go up 2-0 on the T-Wolves. So we are through the home, the early home part of these uh, round one series. Now we'll shift to the road. Tonight it'll be Philly trying to go up 3-0 in Brooklyn. Sacramento playing Draymond Green. Less Warriors tonight trying to go up 3-0. And the Suns in L.A. to take on the Clippers. With Draymond, I almost forget that he punched his teammate at the start of the year. Yeah, Harden like like knocked him out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bit violently on that end. By the way, Jamal Murray is Jamal Murray like the most forgotten about potential forty point scorer on any given night. That was Jamal Murray's fifth career forty point playoff game. You know, a couple of years ago, he really had a coming out party in the playoffs. I thought and he then, was great in the bubble, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good player, but yet, you know, obviously. Jokic and I mean Michael Porter Jr. has kind of maybe a bigger highlight reel type player. They've got some talent in Denver for sure, but he is absolutely a guy when when his hand gets hot, man, you can ride that for sure. And Denver's good. Denver's really good. Minnesota, you would think now down two nothing. You know, did did Minnesota kind of give it their best swing? 
Yeah, or do they, it was, do they bounce back? You know, you're going to look at the final score last night, and it's not going to be as indicative of how competitive it was in the fourth quarter. Again, Anthony Edwards was terrific in keeping Minnesota in it, and they they certainly had a chance to steal one. But uh, right now, I would group that series in with the Boston and the Philly series here in the East. Everything else you feel like is pretty competitive. We'll see about Golden State tonight without Draymond Green on that front. Uh, Jake, your historical brain with this topic I think would be the perfect one to ask. Um, now, does that mean old? No. No, not at all. <laughs> a lot not of times I start talking about something from you guys, that's your historical brain. I'm like, no, 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 that was like a week ago. Oh, no, yeah. No, I right. think this is this is a compliment. Uh, last night, um, Mr. Basketball goes to Marcus Burton from South Bend. We mentioned on yesterday's show the first South Bend Mr. Basketball since 1978. He's the third ever Notre Dame Mr. Basketball, uh, joining Luke Zeller and Chris Thomas. He had 171 votes. Xavier Booker from Cathedral was the runner-up with 20. That has got to be one of the biggest margins in, I would assume, quite some time. Yeah, I would think the only thing that I could think that would even be... The the one that jumps to mind, and and there's a caveat here, would be Damon Bailey, because Damon Bailey, they had already etched the trophy before the year began. Uh, They did that in eighth grade, didn't they? Correct. But Eric Montrose was the same class, and there was a lot of discussion about whether or not they should be co-Mr. Basketballs because Montrose had won the state as a junior and was also like a McDonald's All-American level player. So that one, and then whenever you have like truly dominant players, Glenn Robinson, but then he also had Alan Henderson in the same class. Zach Randolph was a great player, but Jared Jeffries was Mr. Basketball, both of them in the same class. So that's a good question. I mean, Luke Recker, maybe? I, I don't know. In terms yeah, I know of it's him, a hard one to answer because yeah. it's easy to remember the winner. It's harder to remember who I mean, else were in these Well, Eric Gordon classes. had Etwan Moore in his class. I mean, Jason Gardner, maybe, at North Central. But that's a really good question in, in terms of like that level of dominance. I, would, I mean, Alford had James Blackman. You know, most of the legendary, emphatic, great season players had somebody else in their class that was right there with them. Yeah, I mean, 151 vote margin. Uh, high school coaches in the media vote for that. Uh, Zane Doty from Ben Davis with six votes. Joey Hart also had six. Miles Colvin off to Purdue with a handful of votes. And uh, Mason Jones, a Valpo product, I think still going to Ball State. He rounded out the voting with three there. So Marcus Burton, um, little point guard, uber quick, great shot maker, average 30. Five, four assists, three steals for Penn last year. Got them to the semi-state. Well, it was a great game against Kokomo. They lost. I think it was just by one to Kokomo in that semi-state game. I would assume Michael Shrewsbury hands him the ball from day one and says, lead us. Um, So Notre Dame desperately in need there. Burton State committed throughout. Um, But yeah, was a great player at Penn. And uh, longtime coach Al Rhodes is retiring from there. I feel like a lot of high school coaches are hanging it up this year. You could probably do an entire soliloquy on that, Kevin. Uh, by the way, good morning. I don't know if you said it yet, uh, Kevin. Good morning to everybody. It's a Thursday morning here on Kevin and Query, uh, and it is a glorious-looking morning. As Kevin mentioned, Chuck Pagano, Zach Kiefer. Uh, we're going to talk plenty of Colts over the course of today. IndyCar open test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's been moved from what was thought to be a 3 o'clock start to, I believe, 2.30. I know that our coverage is going to begin from the radio network standpoint at 2 o'clock. Why did I think it was like 11? 
Um, that is tomorrow. But see, the problem is tomorrow the forecast is terrible. Okay. So I think that's why they moved up today to try to get a little even extra time in. I thought rookies got out there earlier. Uh, first first uh, shooting today. No, the, boy, that really came off the wrong way. Wow. The first video videography shoot today uh, for the gold badge, which we did last year with behind-the-scenes stuff for the Speedway. We are going out the Speedway at 11.30 this morning with the digital kids and putting together kids. a video. <laughs> well, that's what I am too, right? Uh, so we're going to start putting those pieces together as the month of May starts to They are of age, to shape by up. the way, uh, they are. from a, you know, buying and they tobacco are very, and or alcohol. They are very talented. Uh, so we are going to do that at 11.30 and then they'll edit that together. We'll get that ready for the month of May. So uh, things starting to ramp up a little bit so like. just kind of walk us through what today is i mean is this strictly like hey let's get back on a bike for the first time at ims in you know nearly 12 months what what exactly is the objective today and tomorrow for the various teams yeah exactly basically that i mean you obviously have you know the month of may things have been shortened up just a little bit right um so they this is an open test meaning any teams that want to participate can come out from and again today it is going to be uh, i'm looking at it right here it says testing is scheduled from 10 until 6 30 uh, um on thursday but again they they changed that to 2 30 this may be what i'm looking at yeah so 2 2 30 i believe today is when they start I, I'm, I'm sure of it it is by the way open to people on the viewing mounts but here are the teams more importantly kevin here are the teams that are that are participating uh aj foyt racing with santino ferrucci and benjamin peterson andretti autosport with marco andretti devlin de francesco roman grosjean colton herta kyle kirkwood errol mclaren tony canaan alexander rossi Pato ward felix rosenquist ganassi racing basically every team dale coin racing dryan reinbold racing ed carpenter racing Hunkos hollinger so it's open to anybody that wants to come out and test i mean that's the that's the big thing the veterans uh will be able to go out first and then the rookie orientation program and refresher courses and those kinds of things uh will take place after that this is an opportunity if you are a rookie to start getting your rookie orientation going and when that takes place what that is is under the watchful eye of the league officials and you have to go through different increments at different speeds and you know 15 laps like between 150 and 175 miles an hour you know 15 and i think it may be 15 or 20 laps and they they increase the increment before then you are essentially released into the wild um so that is taking place today all the eligible participants are on track from two until six thirty today so that's the bottom line there are different things that go on in terms of refreshers that are open to limited groups but we call it an all skate at two o'clock that's the big thing that people want to be focused on all the cars on the track from two until six today and so. you guys uh serious online what, what where uh, indycar.com serious xm radio correct both of those two things is where it is so veterans actually from 10 until noon if they would so choose and then rookie orientation takes place along with refresher courses i'm assuming steph wilson probably has to take the refresher course because he hasn't been in x number of races since the last Indy 500, that's from 12 until 2. The, the track is usually pretty quiet during those times, but then when the All-State all skate happens at two from 2 until 6.30, it's going to be busy. It's going to be packed. So, uh, What's up at the Colts Complex yesterday? Uh, we heard from Shaquille Leonard, Ryan Kelly, 
and Jonathan Taylor. We'll play that audio here coming up in a bit. Um, the Shaquille Leonard thing, you know, it's it's been very awkward. It's been a very murky injury situation. He certainly expressed that he feels much better than he did this time last year. I just have a feeling that we're going to get to the first day of training camp and it's still going to be up in the air if he's fully cleared or not. And I know the song and dance certainly was played out last year, but I just almost feel like we are there. And and I think he kind of admitted it yesterday. Like, he was a liability on the field last year. And that's a tough thing to say about a guy that used to be an all-pro. Uh, but he clearly was a liability last year in very limited snaps on the field. And so my question for the Colts, and I don't know, they might show their cards here a week from now. Like, if they draft a linebacker early, that probably is an indication to some people that like, hey, they might not feel as confident about Shaquille Leonard as we think that they do. Um, do you think Shaquille Leonard feels con- – I mean – You know, I, um, I, I, I thought he was pretty – you know, I have questioned if I'll ever be 5'3 again, if I'll ever get back to the maniac level. I thought it was I thought it was a pretty kind of introspective Shaquille Leonard yesterday. Um, it got to the point where I just felt like, you know what? I mean, I feel like I need to ask the retirement question. He quickly and emphatically said that that was not something that has crept into his mind. I, I would love to hook up a lie detector test to him and, and, and maybe see otherwise, but... It's just uh, for a guy that from day one just oozed confidence, um, this is a guy that unfortunately, physically related, the injuries have totally, I think, changed a lot of his tune. And we'll see. Because no Bobby Okereke, obviously. Um, I I do think a defender that I really like and they really like is EJ Speed. Uh, It's going to be a big year for him, Kevin. I I mean, it's going to have to be is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it it might have to be a, a really, really big year for him. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about that later. They will have a mini camp next week ahead of the draft. You're allowed to do that with a first-time head coach. Um, I know some people have asked about the series uh, with the next pick. We've seen the Colts do this in past years. It's kind of a a, a, you know, a, a mini version of Hard Knocks uh, related to the draft. The Colts have decided to, and I would assume the quarterback situation has played into this, limit the number of episodes that they have this year. Uh, tonight is the debut of that. We'll get more into that conversation. Dave Knickerbocker, who kind of runs their digital team over there, he's going to join us in a bit to um, give some thoughts on uh, on that. By the way, um, the time had moved a couple times. That's why I was confused earlier, so I apologize. So I do want to make clear that everybody knows. The viewing mounds, you can get to via i'm talking about today at the indianapolis motor speedway via the museum parking lot you can go to the viewing mounds there and see what takes place from 10 until 12 it is open to veterans and that includes um some refresher courses probably 12 until 2 is the rookies or are the rookies i should say for rookie orientation and then 2 until 6 30 what we call an all skate meaning the track is open. 2 to 6.30 would be the one of key importance because I think teams that really want to get a feel for how their car drives in traffic and how it, you know what it feels like with other, you know, you're going to have possibly 33, 34 cars up to, I mean, that possibility, although I don't think all of those have signed up for the test today, but it's going to be very busy from 2 until 6.30. So, so we're bumping just today. one right now. As of right now, that's correct. The 34th entry is Able Motorsport with R.C. Enerson. Um, so that would mean that assuming that everyone makes a qualifying attempt, one will be bumped. Gosh, that's awkward. 
<laughs> Some I was talking to somebody and they're like, they should just was it you that said like they should just go ahead and let it be thirty four? I'm like, I don't no, know. I mean, no, I'm not. I, I'm not there. I'm not too much in the participation trophy front, right? And I do love the look of you know eleven rows of three, but man, I will feel bad on that. You know, whatever the May twentieth or whenever the bump day is officially this year on the calendar. I don't think we've seen, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, I don't think we've seen a calendar yet for the month of May. I think we generally know you know, when practice will be, when quals will, will, will be from a weekend standpoint, but have you seen anything official on exactly a, a calendar leading into race day? Um, now say that again. A, a calendar for the month of May of like practice days and and you know exactly how the qualifying format will be. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, on it's on uh, Indy500.com. The practice days would be practice itself – uh, I was just looking at this, and of course, you I don't have it right in front of me, because I always get thrown off by this, Kevin. I always think to myself, oh, the practice week is here, and then there's always the transition after the Grand Prix. Um, I'm pulling up the schedule right here in front of me just to make sure. Um, okay, hang on. I'll get it to you in just a second. Apologies but the practice, for putting you on the spot No, that's okay. The practice is going to be, I can tell you, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, fast Friday. Um, but that includes, the first day does include like the rookie orientation again uh, and those things. And that weekend of May 20th will be quals. Um, I assume the rules will be the same. I, I Last year, didn't we go Here to... Here is the schedule. May 16th, which is Tuesday, is the opening day of practice. Then there's practice Wednesday, May 17th. Thursday, May 18th. Fast Friday is May 19th. Boom. Uh, the first day of practice on May 16th, that is, again, kind of a similar situation. From 9 until 11.15 is the veterans practice. Then from 1 until 3, so you have a break for lunch. 1 until 3, rookie orientation and refresher courses. Then from 3 until 6, the all-skate. So basically the afternoons of these days are the the meat of the matter, right? When everybody's out on the track. Do we get that Monday practice? 12 until 6 the other days. Like the Monday after quals? To, didn't we usually get like a big Monday practice and then everybody goes and does their yes. media tours? May 22nd, which is Monday, is another practice. That is from uh, 1 until 3 o'clock. And that leads into the off days. And then carb, carb day. day. Correct. Uh, and then legends, of course, and the race. I have to write, I will be honest with you, I have to write everything out on like a Staples calendar, one of those big paper calendars. Oh, sure. Because I get super confused by it. I'm the first to admit. That Boo knew where dad was going to (laughs) be. That too. (laughs) That too. Uh, I got a pit in my stomach yesterday afternoon. Did you eat an avocado? Not a big avocado person. Maddie is a huge avocado person. You know, supposedly you can eat the pit of an avocado. That sounds like a thing Will Levis has done. Loaded with vitamin E, correct. I don't know how you do it. They're a little hard. Why did you get a pit in your stomach? Well, this person does not tweet often, and so every time I see him tweet, I naturally get a little bit of a pit, but I especially do when there's no captions involved with this tweet. And yesterday we had one uh, from Tiger Woods with no words, simply a press release statement that had a lot of a lot of medical terms that I had no idea what any of them meant but basically what I've gathered is Tiger has had a, another fusion uh, I think ankle related this time and what I've been told is don't expect him to hit a golf ball in competition again the rest of the year And that gave you a pit. Why? Were you surprised by this? Well, because I love him. No, I get it. Um, but I, I, 
And it sucks. You know, I, 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 I almost feel like yesterday's news, and again, from what I've gathered, Tiger's a right-handed golfer. The left ankle has a little bit more movement. This was the right ankle that was in obvious pain. We all saw him at the Masters during that rain delay, how, how bad it looked right before that. He said he withdrew due to plantar fasciitis. Um, it almost seems like, and again, insert your joke here because Tiger has had 30,000 comebacks in the last six years. It almost seems like this is the last ditch effort. Like this is, all right, this is it. One final time. Let's see if you can fuse the ankle together that he could potentially walk somewhat normal and we'll give one more effort at it in 2024. The, the thing that I think needs to be mentioned with him and his legacy years from now, and this is not in any way, shape, or form to, to take away from the magnitude or the disappointment or the significance of his twilight, however you want to word it. So I don't want people to think that this, this is me saying like, well, he deserves it, or I'm not saying that. Everyone's body naturally breaks down as you age. Whether you're a race car driver and your hand-eye coordination slows down, whether you're a basketball player and you can't leap as high or move laterally quickness, you know, lateral quickness the same, whether you're a football player and, and your body doesn't come back from injury, whatever it might be. But in Tiger Woods' case, one of the most fascinating things about his legacy to me, Kevin, is that he is undoubtedly the most transcendent athlete in the history of his sport who absolutely introduced his sport to a wide casting net of new audience that no one else before him and likely after him will ever do. And he was totally 100% self-driven and motivated with a mental laser sharp focus and drive that was part of what made him so great because others absolutely wilted under the pressure and the focus and the spotlight that he brought with him down the stretch where people just realized they were entering into a heat that they couldn't stand up to because he was impervious to everything that came with it and they were not. And what's fascinating to me is that his decline as an athlete while inevitably that happens naturally anyway, has 1,000% been accelerated entirely by his own actions. Oh, without question. Oh, without question. Yeah. And uh, once his vulnerability was exposed, he was done. That's what I think is the most fascinating thing about it was for the guy that was the one that stared down adversity or challenge every time and answered the bell, once he took a golf club to the face, and I don't mean that to be funny, I'm being serious, once his vulnerabilities were displayed for the world to see, the curtain was pulled back and his advantage was gone. Yeah, I mean, he still won the 2019 Masters. I get it. And, and that feeds... I mean, he obviously still a great golfer in terms there. of how to swing a club, but but the whole like, oh gosh, it's Sunday and Tiger's lurking, everyone else is going to wilt is a thing of the past. So we'll see. Uh, again, doesn't sound good at all for the rest of 2023 for Tiger Woods. It also doesn't sound great on the um, uh, portal movement down in Bloomington. Um, some restless IU fans with the lack of movement, particularly in the backcourt for Mike Woodson here. Kevin, with, they got the savior. Are you kidding me? With the, uh, they got six points coming from Eugene, Oregon. What are you talking about? With the portal, yeah. Um, Kalel Ware and Peyton Sparks so far, the only two additions. Uh, Chris Ledlam, I know a lot of people 
uh, affiliated with the Bloomington IU program. Wanted to see him. Uh, he committed yesterday to Tennessee, a guard from Harvard that averaged 18 and 8. Uh, Kevin? Um, I'm going to be the old guy here, and I don't mean to cut you off, even though I just did. I, I I can't believe, and I can't be the only one. I want Indiana fans right now. If you're driving, don't look in the mirror because you need to be focused on the road. But at some point, you got to look in the mirror and say to yourself, "Can I really sit here and tout the fact of banners, tradition, blue blood, and everything else when I'm resting my hopes on a transfer from the Ivy League?" Is that where we are? Is that where Indiana, and I know, it's the transfer portal, it's basketball in 2023, I get it. But is Indiana University really at the point where their fortunes are resting on hanging on with white knuckles whether or not a kid is going to transfer from the Ivy League? Is that where we are? I, I, I mean, what are we doing here? A kid, the kid from Oregon, I get it. I mean, you know, he needs a second lease on things and he's a naturally talented guy and he's got size and everything else. But like... Just in college basketball in general, like, what are we doing here? Is that more of a college basketball thing? Probably. I mean, admittedly. Kansas is going to yeah. commit from Towson. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I I, to- I totally get it. But and Kansas- how much of this is Archie Miller's doing? In terms of just leaving the cupboard bare, you mean? A little bit. Okay. But, I mean... Yeah, I'm not totally absolving... Mike Woodson from it, but from a um, roster construction standpoint, I, I, I do think you know some of this is certainly Archie related. Uh, having said that, uh, you know guys internally on your roster, CJ Gunn, Caleb Banks, those are the guys that you, you have to develop. But boy, a year of Xavier Johnson taking twenty some shots is yeah, that'll that'll be quite the year. Doctor Mottman will be getting a few calls on that, and from IU fans <laughs> with having to witness uh-huh. that. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, come on, Mark. This is a good song. What are you talking about? Okay. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, good morning to you. It is 12 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen here as well. The calendar conscientious Mark Dykton flying the controls for us this morning. It's Again, April 20th. What's, what's going on? Did I miss something? Okay. 420, yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What do you think the attendance will be like in my class today? I think it'll be fully attended as usual. I thought you were going to say it'll be high. I was going to say it'll be high, yeah. I figured that was a layup for I am in the weeds you. right now. I don't know what you guys are talking yeah, about. Okay. I was texting Kyle Ned and Rip about the margin. Oh, Ned and Rip. Yeah, see, I mean, here we go, right? I mean, come on. Of uh, Marcus Burton. Again, 171 to 20 was the margin there for Mr. Basketball last night. Uh, Romeo Langford, care to guess? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a good one. Can't believe I didn't think of that. I'm Hundred- shocked he wasn't... 180. Uh, 264 to 11. Uh, Eric Gordon had 91.1% of the votes his year. Which, I would have thought Etwan Moore would have gotten a few. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, you know, would Scott Martin or Robbie Hummel have nabbed a few votes even just to kind of pluck a few from Eric Gordon there? Uh, but yeah, Mark Spurton, certainly a wide margin, but, you know, here in the last 10 to 15 years, we've had some others. 
even higher on that end. Uh, IMS today, 10 until 6.30. That's the one thing on the calendar for right now. That is, again, simply an open test. But, Kevin, when it comes to the Colts, uh, things are starting to ramp up there as well. First off, I don't know if you saw yesterday, more stuff coming out about C.J. Stroud. Apparently one of them, and this is one that I'm like, whoa. Brady Quinn went on a telecast saying that C.J. Stroud apparently no-called, no-showed to the Manning Passing Academy. Now that seems like a red flag, doesn't it? To be totally honest, I and this might be sacrilegious in Indy, um, I, I don't really care. Um, and, and maybe I'm choosing to listen to other people, and again, I guess I'm going against a Notre Dame quarterback, so maybe that's blasphemy by, by me, but um, you know, I saw Ryan Clark last night, took the other side of it and said... C.J. Stroud decided he wanted to stay at Ohio State and work out with his teammates in the offseason and you know try and build some chemistry there and never committed to the Manning Passing Academy. So who do you want to believe right now? Then there's also the report that he failed one of the – or not failed, but scored poorly on one of the tests. I'm with you in this regard. Is this a team leaking all of this? Like is some team saying, hey, Brady, here you go. Is this the Raiders at seven? Is this the Colts at four? I mean, that's – entirely possible my my thing has always been this I, I get it if a player is of of borderline talent the the off-field stuff is a big factor I get it when I was in high school Kevin we were all led to believe that the SATs were the end-all be-all got to do well in the SATs got to do well in the SATs then we found out after the fact, if you were, if your resume as a student in terms of your academics and your extracurriculars put you right on the border, the SATs could put you over the top in terms of admission to a college. I feel like when it comes to, I mean, unless you are, you know, facing felony charges on something, when it comes to rumors of questionable character, I've always felt like that's the kind of thing that if a player, if you're sitting there weighing between two guys, maybe that's a tiebreaker. But there's a long list, and I get that there are a long list of marginally talented players that the questionable stuff ended up doing them in. And there are some players that were great talents that questionable red flags did them in. Lawrence Phillips comes to mind. But at the same time, I look at Randy Moss. R- Randy Moss, there were all these teams that were going to make a statement. Well, you know, we're, we we believe in character guys, and you know, we we go with character first, and we want great locker room guys. And they passed on Randy Moss and Dennis Green in Minnesota. Went okay, that's cool. We'll just take a guy that's an elite level freak, and and in his rookie year, people are like, holy cow, Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp like failed a drug test, and people are like, "Oh gosh, this guy's a he's a troublemaker, and he's he's a you know we're gonna we're gonna take a stand." And Warren Sapp's a Hall of Famer. Laramie Tunsil, the video comes out draft night. He starts falling like a rock. Teams are gonna make a stand. They're gonna show that we we believe in character guys. And then guess what happens? He ends up getting drafted. He's a great player, and then he gets traded to Houston, who basically makes him a franchise player. I, I mean. Is you know are, are teams going to make a big stand against C.J. Stroud because they believe he has questionable character and then sit around and go okay great two years later we're still drafting a quarterback? 
Thanks to Brett and Matt for pointing this out. It, it sounds like Brady Quinn um, has made it pretty clear that his comments were taken out of context. Um, Brady had a few tweets referencing that, um, and that he is, you know, a, a big C.J. Stroud fan and and was in in the podcast that these quotes were were pulled from. So um, I don't think they're necessarily as accurate as maybe some originally believed. Which welcome to 2023 media when stuff just gets ripped like that and, and turned into a headline. So I did want to make sure that we clarified that. Ryan Clark on ESPN pushed back as well. He said, Stroud never committed to attend the Manning camp. He chose to work with his teammates at Ohio State instead before his final season. He wasn't paid to go. And furthermore, why does the acquiescing to the Manning family have to do with leading an organization? Well, that's you heard Brady Quinn say. They're, they're football royalty. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I I totally get it. But Quinn insinuated that they were still trying to get a hold of him, and he never responded back to them. So the truth's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah, I just, um, you know, the, the the timing of this is very odd to me. Like, why now? Why a week before the draft? Where was this in January? Well, especially what, like during his workout with the Panthers where Frank Reich was following him around like a lost puppy, right? Where was this last summer when he would have turned down the Manning Academy? Oh, God forbid a guy decides to stay at his college and not work out with Archie Manning on Nickel State University. Like, uh, again, I... I that to me does not influence necessarily draft stock by any means. If CJ Stroud is sitting there and the Colts have the opportunity to take him, uh, they need to take him. And that, and my thought is there might be some debate inside the Colts building on Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud. We'll see if that sort of situation develops. If CJ Stroud's there at two, you take CJ Stroud all day long. I mean, at four, I'm sorry. If he's there at four, you take, C- if he is the second quarterback available, I, I I literally I am writing out CJ Stroud Stroud comma CJ I'm finding out uh, what's the CJ stand for like Christopher John whatever Christopher John whatever way he wants me to announce it I'm announcing him does he get past three according to Adam Schefter and everybody else right gosh I just a week from tonight I'd still be surprised if we see you know all three of those quarterbacks non Bryce Young CJ Stroud Anthony Richardson and Will Levis sitting there at four on the other side, I do want to get into some of Shaquille Leonard's comments from yesterday. I did think there are a couple of interesting notes, Colts-related, um, from their week two of their nine-week off-season program. And again, a week from tonight, the NFL Draft. For those curious about Chuck Pagano today, Mark, 8.30 tomorrow, is yes, that right? correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck had a last-minute uh, commitment come up, so he will be joining us tomorrow. Coleridge Bernard Stroud. Can I you call? The, I don't know where the J comes from in CJ Stroud. Then Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth. Coleridge Junior. Probably. Can you call uh, Brady Quinn and let him know that Chuck Pagano um, bypassed our appearance today? <laughs> if we could get Brady Quinn on the YouTube stream, that would be good, maybe for our female audience. True. Now, was it a Brady <gasps> Quinn's sister that was that dated? Am I right in that? Um, Brady Quinn's sister eight, married AJ Hawk, right? Correct. She okay. went split jersey, right, in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, she's also uh, they, obviously they both come from decent genes because she's an attractive gal as well. Didn't Brady Quinn marry the U.S. gymnast? Um, gosh, what was her name? Raisman, Allie Raisman. Really? I think so. Could be all. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. On that. Uh, all right, we'll be back. 8 o'clock hour, beautiful Thursday in Indy. Zach Kiefer going to join us in a few minutes. Jake, you said you had something you wanted to throw at Zach. It's a 420 National I do. Anthem, by the way. I have to imagine. I think right? you go several directions on that. I yeah. think you. I think you. You've played others that could. You've had tunnel that. vision on this all morning. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying. Have you guys seen Dad this afternoon? Well, you knew so it was on really, the other side of the playground. I do have a question for Zach, by the way. Yes, um, regarding the painting themselves into the corner aspect for the Colts. You know who was really big when I was in college for like a week. And I'm curious what happened to this band. Maybe they're still around. I have no idea. But Cypress Hill had like a, a about an 18-month run where everybody thought they were the coolest thing ever. Now, does, for you guys that are slightly younger, did Cypress Hill have any staying power at all? What? Slightly younger? Well, a generation below me, right? Maybe two generations. <laughs> Uh, yeah, not not to that level. I mean, I don't think they did. Did they even do more than like one album? I I have no idea. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I think they have like 15 albums or something. It's just a matter of like one. Just how much did it resonate? Yeah, resin eight. Well done, Kev. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, they had some. They had some good songs, but yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything from them in years. How about Insane Clown Posse? Oh no, thank you. No. Hard pass. I don't remember anything about them. I just know that they were big for like five minutes. That could be a bad batch if you all of a sudden you're thinking you're looking at an insane okay. clown. Never been a big Fago pop guy either. And apparently that's what you need to enjoy to be a insane clown posse member. What's that? The Fago pop. You know, like the it's like crush or whatever. It's like strawberry, grape, orange. I mean, I'm aware of Fago Juggalos pop. know what I'm talking about. That's the name of the, the fan base. So you weren't a uh, welcome in? No, I knew people in high school that were, and I was like, ah, hard pass, thank you. Okay. Uh, oh, go down the rabbit hole, Jake. Juggalos and St. Clown Posse. There's some interesting stuff in there. Well, there's the one fellow that does the videos on YouTube where he, <laughs> uh, do you know who I'm talking about? This is for all the Juggalos and yeah. Juggalettes? Yeah, the guy who ju- the pro wrestling guy who yeah, jumps through all the stuff. What's that guy's who name? jump on Legos. I forget what his name is. Speaking of pro wrestling, he's awesome, incredible. by the way. Mark, did I see on the pro wrestling front that those Miami twins are joining? The uh-huh. Cavender girls? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Woo! What? No argument there. What what will be their uh, roles? Like I I, uh, I would imagine that they're going to go in their developmental program down in Orlando and maybe go to like their their lower tier wrestling program for a little bit and get some ring experience and then eventually get to the main roster. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So no WNBA careers for them. WWE pays pretty good from what I hear. They did have one of them had the old shh to the IU student section. Yeah, we, we talked about it off the bat, but um. The IU Nation right now, from a men's basketball standpoint with the portal, uh, I'm scrambling a bit. One of the guys that I saw was like supposedly mutual interest in was Cormac Ryan for Notre Dame. Jake, I didn't have it on the agenda today that IU basketball fans would be wanting a Notre Dame basketball player See, from last season. Kevin, I told you, like, and I get it. I understand that this is basketball in 2023. I totally understand. Hey, Zach. 
But Indiana basketball, and I mean, and you're right, it's not exclusive to Indiana. I mean, Kansas, but like, are we really, are Indiana, like, to me, it's really hard to stand on your front porch screaming about how you're a blue blood, hang the banner, um, you know, illustrious national titles coming soon program, while at the same time getting on Twitter to make sure and send your five tweets a day begging a kid from the Ivy League to transfer and play for your program. Right? Zach Huber is about to join us, but I'll, I'll just kind of toss this in. Maybe again, it gets back to kind of my age group and my generation, Jake, but I've never even thought of IU like that. And I'm showing my age here, but I've never thought of IU in that realm. I mean, it's one, six, one sweet 16 in the last decade. Right. So, know. you know, for me, when I look at deep tournament runs, you know, you're naming tens of programs before you're naming IU, again, in my formative years. I mean, sure, the early 90s, you obviously had some runs there, but you got to go way back before you get to that. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, talking about the Colts. And Zach, I'm going to bring you in by asking you a question for you and Kevin both, really. But we were just talking about this draft and you know the Colts and quarterback and everything else. So, so let me ask you this, Zach Kiefer. If you have Richardson, Stroud, Levis, let's just assume for the sake of argument, and I'm going to put Stroud maybe in that category, but if those are the three guys that are available when the Colts are on the clock, did the Colts twice kicking the can on quarterback, and by that I mean Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan, and swinging missing on Carson Wentz, and painting themselves into a corner of total necessity, have the Colts, because of the way that they've had a few swings and misses at the quarterback position under Chris Ballard, have they put themselves in position now where they can least afford a, a high-risk, high-reward guy and, in fact, strictly have to go with the safest pick as opposed to the highest-ceiling guy? No, Jake, I don't buy that. I don't buy that that plays into their thinking from what I, what I know about Chris Ballard and how he thinks and everything I've heard from him, I posted a story on Monday on the athletic that essentially went back to everything he's ever said about drafting a quarterback. I went back to the very first press conference in 2017 where he famously said it's not going to be about one guy. The irony being, it is about one guy, and it has been about one guy, and it's been about the guy you haven't been able to find since the one guy left in 2019. But I don't think they think like that, Jake, for better or for worse. But you know, let's let's just make the case for Anthony Richardson, right? Maybe the highest ceiling of all of them. Maybe the lowest floor of all of them. Maybe, maybe the highest floor, too, because of all the things he can bring physically. I don't think they think about a guy that needs to come in and play right away. I don't think, I, I don't think that's going to come into their decision-making. And I don't think they're going to force it based on the, less, the least amount of risk. I really don't think they're going to let that play into it. That doesn't mean they're going to take Richardson. That doesn't mean it's going to be a deciding factor. But I really think a couple things are really important here. One, just because they take a quarterback this year does not mean they're not going to take one next year. I know that for a fact. And then secondly, after all the impatience and impetuousness that Jim Irsay showed last season, and I wrote about it and, and everybody else did that was there, I really feel like the owner has taken a step back. And he's going to let Ballard and Steichen make this decision, barring some crazy turn of events. He's going to let them make this decision. 
And then he's going to lean on them for the development because it's not just who they draft, it's what they do with this kid. Does he play week one? Does he play week 10? Does he sit the entire year? Remember, Ballard was on the staff in Kansas City that, that it, you know, that drafted Mahomes and, and he was there and he scouted Mahomes a couple times the previous fall. And they really felt like this guy was going to be a star and they still let him sit for a year. Um, the Colts are not going to be very good next year, whether this kid plays or not. The reality is I think they're going to be patient and I don't think they're going to feel boxed in or rushed or forced to draft a guy that can play sooner rather than later. Zach, I thought it was a really good exercise you did. Zach Keeper, by the way, from The Athletic with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline and going back and looking at those past Ballard comments because you almost take anything he said here in 2023 with just, first off, you just have immediate skepticism considering where the Colts are and how secretive teams want to be about this sort of move. Um, Something stood out to me of the Ballard-related comments when you go back several years. But I'll first throw it to you. What, if anything, stood out to you? Accuracy. That's a big debate, right? Can you improve accuracy? There's one example, a very notable example, that I think is going to get a lot of GMs fired (laughs) eventually. It's, It's Josh Allen, right? Very poor completion percentage when he was in college. Pretty bad in the NFL his first couple of years, and he's elevated into an MVP candidate and one of the best players in football. Ballard said on the record a couple of years ago, before he was really looking to draft a quarterback, he said, I don't think you can improve accuracy that much. And that's very telling this year because Anthony Richardson accuracy is terrible. Like flat out, it's 53.8. It was second to last of 14 quarterbacks in the SEC. Now he can do a lot of other things, but can he win from the pocket? Ballard said all the other stuff is nice, right? When you can run, when you can move, when you can create on third and six and get a first down with your legs, that's great. But he still believes guys need to win from the pocket. On the alternative side, Shane Steichen says you can improve accuracy with mechanics. The bet is not just on this quarterback, it's on Shane Steichen. I do believe that. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic in the draft to Ballard are you changing your mind on accuracy and whether that can improve in the pros when the windows are tighter, the defense is better, the, the pass rush is getting there quicker? Or is it Steichen who says, look, I can make this guy better? That's, that's going to be almost the crux of this decision. But what stood out to you? Because there was a lot in there. It took me a long time to dig up those quotes. Yeah, honestly, I, I know it does make for great radio, but I would say accuracy as well. And you go back to that 2020, I think it was around the combine um, that you mentioned when Ballard had that quote of, you know, can you get dramatically better in accuracy? No, just incrementally better. And I keep on coming back to the quote, and I'm not sure if you had this in there, but Ballard has probably said this quite often, honestly, more in related to when he's been asked about dual threat quarterbacks in years past. He always comes back to the line of, at some point, you've got to deliver from the pocket. Like, right. at, at some point, those legs are no longer 22-year-old Michael Vick, 23-year-old Lamar Jackson. And, and at some point, you've got to deliver from the pocket. So that's where I'm a little torn on all this, Zach, because, again, I, I could see major intrigue in Anthony Richardson, but if the biggest question, and I know he had a lot of drops at at Florida, so maybe that 53-54% isn't entirely indicative of his accuracy. But if that is the biggest question mark, I feel like on the field, those are the things you hear most from Shane Steichen, albeit he did say he thinks you can improve accuracy a bit, but certainly from Chris Ballard. Yeah, it's it's you got to deliver a strike on 3rd and 8. Those are Shane Steichen's words. And I go back to this quote from Peyton Manning years ago, and I understand Peyton Manning is one of one. 
and all that. But Peyton's first game as a pro, you know, he doesn't throw to this guy who's down the field, and now he goes off to the sideline, and Tom Moore says, why didn't you throw to him? He was wide open. And Peyton said, he wasn't open. And he said, in the NFL, that's open. And this is Peyton Manning we're talking about. So you talk about all these quarterbacks that we've talked to over the years. When they come in the league, the windows are tighter. The cornerbacks are so much – the corners are so much better in the NFL in the timing. And, and, and another thing, the pocket presence. If you want to shift to Levis, this is a big concern I have because, you know, Levis is all about football. and He, he feels a lot of the intangible things. He's tough. His teammates like him. He's a leader. But he's played for five years, and he started for two at Kentucky, and, and his pocket presence wasn't good. It wasn't good, and it has, if it hasn't improved yet, is it going to at the next level? And another Peyton story, and I know this is, you know, this is not apples to apples, but I asked Peyton years ago, I think I said, like, did, like how do you know that guy was always going to come? Like, when did, like, he always would whatever, whatever, throw the ball away or he would take those little snaps. But, like, he had this sixth sense for when a guy was about to get him. And Peyton's like, I've just always known. I don't know if you can teach that. Now, I've asked other quarterbacks. Matt Hasselbeck a couple of weeks ago at the owners meeting, can you teach pocket presence and feel? And he said, absolutely. So not everyone's going to agree on that. But in terms of the accuracy thing, that's a big hang-up for me with Anthony Richardson. And the pocket presence is a big hang-up for Will Levis. And I'm not sure how much things are going to get better at the next level when everything is harder. Zach Kiefer is our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. You, of course, can read his work at The Athletic. Zach, one thing I'll say about Chris Ballard, I've said this many times, maybe not in every situation, and certainly you are more nuanced or dug in with the daily beat of the Colts than I, but on the big things, typically, a lot of times we go back and we go, you know, he pretty much was consistent in not saying what he was going to do, but I think sometimes we overanalyze and he is somewhat transparent you might disagree with that but you know for the most part you're like yeah I mean he he was pretty honest that this was what they had in mind or whatever else with that said when it comes to the quarterback position when it comes down to it and I have a name in my mind here but throughout this entire process what is the name who is the quarterback in this draft that you continually hear more often than the others Jake, it depends on the day. I'll be honest. Like, one day I hear something that they like about Anthony Richardson. One day I hear something that they like about Will Levis. And you can make a really good case for either one. I do feel like Richardson is a bigger swing. And I feel like a little bit more of an uncharacteristic move for them, right? It would go against what we just talked about. It would go against his belief that accuracy is paramount. Now, on the, on the, on the alternative, it's like, Let's look at the AFC right now. You got if Lamar Jackson stays in Baltimore, they're a contender. You got Justin Herbert in LA. You got Mahomes in KC. You got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. And I'm probably forgetting two others. Like they are loaded. Like this conference is loaded. Do you need to take a big swing to try to get a dynamic, game changing player at the quarterback position? And where does the owner come down on that? I feel like there's a higher ceiling with Richardson. Levis feels a little bit more like a Colts fit. He just kind of does. He's he's all about ball. Shane Steichen's going to like that. Um, I heard nothing but good things from Liam Cohen, his OC, the year he was really good at Kentucky, about how he just he just pulled everybody along. He's an alpha. They're going to like that. When they sit down with Will Levis, and Will Levis had a long talk with them on Saturday that went really well, they're going to like a lot of that. The intangible stuff, 
I don't feel like there's any real qualms with Will Levis, and it feels like he would be a fit. And I've been hearing him going back to October, November. But the reality is I wonder if this decision changes because Shane Steichen is here and because of what Shane Steichen just did. He, he played a small part in getting Jalen Hurts, who wasn't a star quarterback in college. I mean, he was benched at Alabama, went to Oklahoma. He was a second-round pick. We're talking top-four pick right now. You got Jalen Hurts, $255 million. So, and this is a guy that I want to point out, Jalen Hurts' completion percentage went up almost six points this past season. That's a big deal. That's a lot of third downs that you didn't make the year before and a lot of throws you didn't make the year before. Yes, he had better personnel with A.J. Brown, but that's significant. So I wonder what Steichen comes down on. But I go back to this one word that Steichen's used a couple times. He's looking for a guy that's obsessed. Obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And right now, it feels like that feels a little bit more like Will Levis. So I might take a swing on Richardson because he could be he could be everything. He could change the league. Again, Zach Kiefer's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Zach, your latest and hearing from Shaquille Leonard yesterday. Um, I know it's April 20th. I, I just When I heard him yesterday, I thought to myself, man, I, I don't know if he's going to be fully cleared by day one of training camp. Um, what were your overall impressions of what Leonard had to say yesterday? Yeah, words that came to my mind were uncertainty and doubt. And I think fear, I think fear on his part a little bit. And, and I give Shaq Leonard credit for being vulnerable and opening up like he did. Um, this is hard for him. And he, he, it's hard because he doesn't have an answer. I don't think the team has an answer. I don't think he has an answer. And, and they're going to follow all the right steps. And, and I'm not going to bring up the previous injury that kind of plagued this franchise for 18 months, two years. But there are some similarities, multiple, you know, a surgery, uh, a delay, a setback, and, 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 and lots of time without answers. And and there are some positives to take away from yesterday. He said he feels better now than he did at any point last year. That's good. But for him to say that he's pulling up the tape to watch the old 53 to remind himself of what he could be, that's a little concerning. I, I, hope, I hope it gets cleaned up. I hope he's back. But, no, I, I kind of had the same feeling. Like, July 25th, whenever they report – I, I can't say right now that he's going to be out there. Like, there's no reason to rush it right right now. Excuse me. I know it's it's late April. They're on the field a little bit doing install stuff. He doesn't need, need to be out there for that. But, I, I, I mean, June minicamp, like, I, I just don't see that happening right now. And then you start talking about training camp and going through the same thing we did last year with this. So, um, he's he's in a place right now where he's not the same guy in terms of having that cockiness and that arrogance and that dog in him. And I think he wants to get back to that, but the problem is his left leg won't let him. So we'll see with 53, but some real candor from him yesterday about a point in his career that really feels like a crossroads. Zach, if the Colts, like in round three, I'll say, Kevin and I were talking about this earlier, but I want to know if you agree. If they draft a linebacker prior to, say, round five, yeah, that's very telling, is it not? Yep, got the same thing yesterday, Jake. And it's not a position they've missed on. Like they have nailed every single linebacker pick: Shaq Leonard, Bobby Okereke, Anthony Walker back in 2017. Even Matt Adams was a good special teamer. EJ Speed is going to elevate this year's Iron Franklin. Like that's a that's a position Ballard just keeps on hitting. 
and that's why they haven't had to go out and sign anybody in free agency. But you're dead on. Like, that's the reality. Like, nobody knows if he's going to be out there in week one. So you've got Danner Franklin, Franklin you feel good about. EJ Speed's going to get more snaps. You know, Gus Bradley said yesterday. But if they go draft a linebacker a little bit higher than you anticipate, it's very telling. That's them telling you what they haven't said yet, that they don't know if Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard is going to be back. I will say, though, Zach, and I'm going to say this every time his name comes up, um, the real challenge is going to be the bar is raised. But so far, at this point in his career, uh, I think EJ Speed's been a nice player that's answered each challenge. But this one would be a big one if that's what his role is going to be. Yeah, 100%. Like, like the great Mike Chappell always says, a guy's always really good until you see him play a lot, right? Like, if you see a backup quarterback come in and play two quarters, the more you see him, the more you see who he really is. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with DJ Speed. And again, he's, 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 a, he's a versatile weapon for them. A lot of people just overlook his impact on special teams, but that's one game for them before. And, and he's a nice player. And look, they drafted him out of, like, Tarleton State. Like, he has a crazy backstory. I mean, he was penciled thin when he got here. And the fact that he's been here for four years and increased his playing time each year and been a consistent contributor on special teams, you need guys like that. You need guys who can do both because you simply don't have the roster spots. It's going to be fun to watch. And remember that Christmas night game in Arizona two years ago, Shaq was out with COVID. Half the team was out with COVID. EJ stepped up and played well. And, and you feel really good about Zaire as well, who had a team record in tackles last year. And tackles aren't everything for a linebacker. But he's a pro, he's a vet, he's a captain for a reason. And so you feel okay, but the reality is, what did this team lack last year on defense? They were pretty solid most of the year. They just couldn't take the ball away. And that's all the 53 does. He does it every single game. For the first 57 games of his career, he averaged a takeaway every 1.24 games. Like, that's absurd. Like, that's an alarming rate. That just changes the game. It's like a cheat code. And without that, this team wasn't whole last year. So if he can get back, that just that, that elevates them to a different degree because really we don't know what the offense is going to look like. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. One week from tonight, we'll finally get some answers to the million questions we've had here over the past Thank the Lord. handful of months. Hallelujah is right. Zach, great stuff, man. Thanks for uh, being flexible with us today. You guys on Pagano time? Did he have to bail on you or something? I, does he have a tea time? Is he playing somewhere? Oh, well, let's take our buddy Anthony Calhoun. I bet they're playing cricket stick right now, as nice as it is. I was going to say, weather on Friday a little different than Thursday. Chuck's no dummy. He's, he's probably getting some golf in, which I respect. So, yeah, Chuck Pagano tomorrow at 830. Thanks, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.